You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. What's going on, Downers? Welcome back to the show. I can only apologize to you for that I didn't have an episode last week, and this one is late. But you know, pretty got a pretty good reason about that. That is, I had an interview that I'm excited about that I had to reschedule because the person was in the path of that hurricane a little bit ago. That's why I missed that one. And then this last week, I've been on the road. I just got home late last night, uh, but I still wanted to get an episode out. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm on the road. That means, if you, in case you don't know, I play in a band. That band is called Emory, and we make a part of my living and really enjoy playing music. I know most of y'all know that anyway. So I'm gone sometimes, and it's, you know, I don't like to stack up a bunch of episodes and have them laying around. And so sometimes I miss the episode. Anyway, I'm glad to be back. And this episode is one that I had previously recorded, but didn't even have time to make an intro or do the advertisements or anything like that for until today. So the episode you're going to hear today is one with Dan Koch, who's on the episode a lot. Probably said that in the title. I know you already knew that. And and you already saw in the title what it's about. It's the Nashville Statement. But you might not know what the Nashville Statement is um, for a particular part of my audience that listens to for some stuff, but maybe isn't wrapped up or involved in or tuned into all things faith-based and Christian-based, which I kind of avoid doing on this show, to be honest, because I cover it on the Bad Christian Podcast. So I don't often talk about matters of Christianity and that kind of stuff. But sometimes it's interesting to do. And I thought this would be an interesting conversation to have. I had it with Dan Koch, who runs the Depolarize podcast. And so this is an issue that is particularly polarizing in and around the Christian community. But I think it also has real broad applications outside of that as well. Uh, and it's a, it's kind of a topic that I'm particularly interested in because I think we're in a cultural wave of, of transition here, uh, pardon the pun, but that we, I believe you're going to see a big shift in Christianity in the way that they interface with LGBTQ um, people. I mean, we're already seeing it. And I think we're going to see it a lot more. And one of the things that's come out of it is the, the resistance to Christianity evolving on the issue, which is what the Nashville Statement uh, kind of is. It's a group of pastors and church leaders and authors and things like that, uh, led by the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, uh, that got together and made a statement affirming and denying certain things about how they look at transgender people, uh, gays, lesbians, and uh, you know they they put it in their words as carefully worded and they spent a lot of time and effort on it, and it seems uh, it got a lot of got a lot of coverage, got a lot of press at least at least it did at first and not so much since, which is kind of interesting in and of itself. But the issue isn't going away. Uh, I think there's a lot that's going to happen in this. So it's kind of just, like I said, interesting topic to me. Dan lives in Seattle, so he comes down and talks to me about things that he's interested in, and I always enjoy it. And I hope you guys, I think you guys, the numbers seem to say that you guys like that too. Dan's a good thinker, and we have a good relationship. And again, when I can talk to somebody in my studio in person, it's great. Um, And so if this episode isn't for you, whatever, skip it. It'll be boring. And if you think it is interesting to you, there you go. but I'm probably over explaining it as it is. So let's just get right to it. Dan Coke. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. Break it down, oh, break it down. Break it down, oh, break it down. Oh, break it down. Oh, break it down. 
Okay, I'm going to start with a podcast secret today. If you're trying to, if you have an in person interview and you want it to feel super natural and calm, you just have the person come right in and don't talk to them before you go on air. So Dan just showed up. He's in the bathroom. He's sitting down now. Dan, <laughs> thanks for coming. I want you to wear headphones today, too. Okay. I'm playing around with headphones because. Sometimes we do it in person and stuff, but I think people don't stay on the mic good. And I know you're a pro at the mic, but well, I want to get in the habit. Can I turn down? Yep. Here's your headphone volume right here. This is me. Right there. So I want to get in the habit of having the okay. guests wear headphones yeah. when they're here so that they know to stay on the mic. Although you're kind of a pro. I'm a bit of a pro. Yeah. Okay. So my level looks good. Let me hear you talking. Here we go. You don't yeah, have yeah, to lean yeah. down. Just whatever's okay. comfortable sounds good. You can hear me and Let you fine, right? Mm -hmm. I got some new mics. So get it however. Right in front I of I like that fine. old one that. You had for me. Yeah, I see that. And now it's, oh, the other problem I was having is massive shock when people set their hand down, their drink down, or oh, whatever. Geez. It's just crazy. But you'll be in good shape now with this one. I wasn't being, I didn't have that problem. No, not you, but it just, you know, it happens. Okay. There you go. Hold on. Everybody's going to ask what mic I'm using, but it's an RE320. It looks like an old RE20. Are we on right now? Well, yeah, we're just we're okay. recording. Some people want to hear this stuff, but that's all right. Anyway, Dan, thanks for coming by. We're going to talk about the Nashville Statement. I'm going to do my best. Can you to... tell people who I am? Well, they know who you are. I've already did an intro. We'll have done oh. some type of intro. Okay, great. They'll know who you are. And they, first While of all, I was in the any listener to this show knows who you are anyway. <laughs> um, and also, I'm going to do something that I don't always do a good job of, and I'm going to try to let you lead, and I'm going to try to listen better oh, wow. than I normally do. Especially when you're here, I get all excited. So, you know, when I have somebody in person, I'll talk over them. So. It sounds like you uh, took heed of that the criticism that I sent you from my friend. I like that one. I mean, some of your friends I don't want to listen to ever in my whole rest of my sure. life. I hope I never run into them online or in person. But, <clears throat> excuse me, but some of them are, 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 are good. I mean, I, I appreciate feedback. I know I got stuff to learn and do and things I see different, but some of the people, I cannot believe we intersect the way when it, you intersect with somebody that you seem to have nothing in common with and you think yeah. you would. It's astonishing to me. Like, it's astonishing. Yeah. yeah, it can be. Frightening, really. So, thank you for asking me to come on and mm -hmm. talk about the Nashville Statement. Mm -hmm. I've been uh, thinking about it quite a bit and, and talking with quite a few friends about it. It's been sort of the biggest news item in mm -hmm. the Christian or evangelical world for the last couple months, probably at least. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think or thought, except for, I'm not really sure if that's true. So let me tell you yeah. what I have. I mean, when I heard about it and as much as I saw it, that's what I'm saying. There's a whole bubble effect here that I'm being more and more illuminated to the fact that I'm in them too. You yeah. Know? yeah. And I hope everybody's paying attention to the bubbles you're in there. They're smaller and more rigid than you probably think they are. But I thought everybody was talking about the Nashville statement. Um, but for instance, the episode we did it on the Bad Christian Podcast before on it didn't even really get much downloads. And then when I went to church, this, I went to a different church the following week. And I was like, ooh, I wonder where they stand and what they're going to say. Yeah. And just it never came up. Nobody said anything. Mm. And then I asked Joey on the podcast about his church and all that stuff and what were they going to do. He's like, I don't, I don't know, really. And then he said they didn't talk about it. And I'm like, wait, you're a pastor at a church and nobody even told, y'all didn't even say, what are we going to say about it? What if people ask? And it's like, no, didn't really come up. So I'm a little bit surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it, uh, well, that's that's interesting. Maybe just nothing can sort of 
maybe it's very hard for any one thing to like grab the cultural zeitgeist moment in mm-hmm. a world of fragmented social media mini bubbles. Maybe, maybe, maybe the people that are interested are. Maybe it's a more narrow amount of people who are interested in it that we represent, though. Sure. You know? Yeah. And I think those people care a lot about it, though. So I do think it's important. I do think a lot of people care a lot. And yeah. It, and it's getting a lot of reaction, but it may be from a smaller number of people than we may would think. So, yeah, yeah, it might be kind of like people who are interested in theology podcasts like John and I's. Yeah. Where or people, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. not every... People are affected by theology, but only some percentage of people actually want to listen to people talking mm-hmm. about it. So if you were one of the people that your church would have signed the Nashville Statement or whatever, you probably... Uh, would be like, yeah, no, so what? No big deal. It's just something we're doing. You don't feel, and right. you don't feel a lot of pushback. And right. then on the other hand, uh, if you don't care much about it, why would you care about Christians saying this or that? Which, of course, they everybody knows that's what they think. Not, it's not a big deal. So maybe it's mostly sensitive to people like us that have been involved in those churches and now are in a different place. Yeah, or people who it matters to them how Christians are perceived by the rest of the culture because they think. Christianity has something to offer mm-hmm. and they don't and they are really uncomfortable when uh you know in their perspective Christians are really poorly represented by a very vocal group of Christians. Mm-hmm. So it could be that people like that as well. So you want to just talk about yeah, it? Yeah, I mean I, I reacted to it like the day after it came out on that podcast that you heard nothing planned yeah. I didn't do really any research just looked at a few tweets and saw what was going on and we just went off the top of our heads. I'm sure we missed a lot and said some stuff wrong, but I haven't talked about it much since or, or done anything. So I'm interested to hear what your reactions are and were and, and yeah. what's happened since. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you guys got a lot of it right. I think there was, um, in characteristic bad Christian fashion, a little <laughs> bit of sloppy thinking. <laughs> of course. And some, uh, you know, some... some. Uh, That's real time, though. Yeah, That's it's real thinking time. thinking out loud. Sure, sure. Um, I think that uh, the Nashville statement, the way that it was done and we'll just summarize it real quickly yeah so it's 14 articles right people yeah some people don't know so it was i don't know two or three weeks ago signed by 150 fairly prominent evangelical leaning christians and it's run by the council of biblical council of biblical woman manhood and womanhood or whatever so they have a statement from many many years ago maybe 20 years ago or something that's like about complementarianism Mm -hmm. which is you know god ordained different roles for men and women, especially in marital relationships and household relationships. And then this one is about sexual identity. And it's actually not about sex, really. Mm -hmm. They don't really talk about sex in it. Mm -hmm. They talk about sexual identity. And that's really interesting. We're going to get to that. But basically, it's like 14 articles um, affirming things like, you know, here, I'll read a couple. Here's article seven. We affirm that self-conception, that is identity, as male or female should be defined by God's holy purposes in creation and redemption as revealed in scripture. Mm -hmm. We deny that adopting a homosexual or transgender self-conception is consistent with God's holy purposes in creation and redemption. Mm -hmm. So there's 14 things like that, an affirmation and denial was signed by D.A. Carson, John Piper, Francis Chan, Russell Moore, who's one of the big guys at Southern Baptist Convention, mm-hmm. um, and some some female leaders, and you know, a bunch of people mm-hmm. have signed this thing. And uh, what mostly it has been critiqued for is Article Ten, which is the part that makes 
some what appear to a lot of people to be some very grand claims mm-hmm. about how central this is to Christianity or to mm-hmm. the gospel. And so we can get into that, but I, I don't want to start with Article 10. Okay. Start with, with, just with your thoughts or reactions or, or yeah. nuanced things about it that you picked up on. Well, so I think that the Nashville Statement sort of did its itself and its movement a bit of a disservice by framing things the way that it did. And what I mean by that is it, I feel like it could have given a lot more context and been a lot clearer. So what someone might be tempted to think is, oh, the Nashville Statement just means you're not, you don't you're not gay affirming, Mm -hmm. but that's not true. You could be totally not gay. You could be a Christian who is not gay affirming and totally not agree with the Nashville statement. For instance, Mm -hmm. uh, the spiritual friendship is like a nonprofit organization of celibate gay Christians. And they believe that homosexual orientation is real. It's not a choice. They are gay, but that they are called to be celibate. And further, they think that God's call to them to be celibate allows them to reveal things about the Christian life to not the non-gay Christian world. Like they basically, the way that monks or nuns have something unique to offer mm-hmm. to the Christian world, they think so do celibate gay people. Mm-hmm. But they would not be included in the Nashville Statement because they self-identify as homosexual. Because of the, yeah, that seems to be the significant thing, which it might be an update to this to the thinking of what what would you call this group i don't know i mean what would yeah, be the best know. description of the people who did sign it i don't know Con- conservative because it's not even just saying evangelicals conservative what, baptist slash reformed mm-hmm. thinkers right something like that so they've updated some of their language but not yeah. some there's they've updated some language to be more current like talking about identity as versus just yeah. sex acts right so that's yes. an update yeah i think it's a and i think it's so a lot of blowback from conservative Christian thinkers has come based on that distinction. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really weird move to make, but to move away from acts to identity. Yeah. But so it to, makes sense. But the interesting thing this brings up that's never brought up before is, oh, as long as you don't do gay acts, you're good with us. And this one's the, this one pu- yeah. pulls this other nuance into it. And I don't know if it's an attempt to include more or exclude more or be clearer. I don't really know what their motivations are. But now we have the issue of if you can acknowledge that you were born or you feel a same-sex attracted gay person, but you choose to remain celibate, this now includes you as the bad yeah. guy. Yeah, oh, I mean, I, yes. I don't know how to not use terms like bad guy here. But. They, they're, they're saying that, so for Wesley Hill, for instance, the, mm-hmm. the celibate Christian, for Wesley Hill to self-identify as homosexual is outside God's plan for him. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It so is he, inconsistent. You can't get away with that. Even if you say, I am celibate and I will remain celibate, I have same-sex Doesn't attraction. Matter. And the way I see it, yeah, this is kind of the way I was born and stuff. Yeah, like, right. Right. That's still not okay, given this language update. That's that's given this statement. Yes, mm-hmm. that's true. So I think it's worth saying if we're going to talk about it that like, uh, so so the they brought a lot of this on themselves, kind of by the way they're phrasing things. Mm-hmm. First of all, but secondly, a lot of more liberal Christians have reacted really poorly to this, and they've thrown out a lot of arguments and a lot of language that I think is really unhelpful personally. Like what? For instance, um, arguments about the timing. People say, 
what awful timing to release this after Charlottesville and while and or while Trump is president. A lot of people make that argument. Yeah, that's funny. I, I thought maybe during a hurricane, maybe next week or something. But yeah, in the global. Or yeah, oh, there was the hur- yeah, no, it was yeah, the hurricane yeah. too. It was also um, Hurricane Harvey. Right. And they thought, well, you know, we're in the middle of a national natural disaster. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I think that's kind of a lazy argument. First of all, because. I mean, the hurricane, maybe you delay it two days or something. It's not related to while hurricanes. Now, that. yeah, hilarious. while Trump is president, obviously that's that's just that's too ridiculous. long of a period. You can't expect any sort of body of 150 busy people who are coming together to try and agree on something to wait four years because Trump is president. You mean that's eight years or, or, eight, or after whatever. he crowns himself emperor and is permanent. Then now. Well, okay. Okay, but so... And then the other argument, so the timing argument that would be good is if they had released this right after like the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando where mm-hmm. a jihadi killed, you know, killed 40 gay people. Right. That would be really bad timing. And I don't think they would have done that. Mm-hmm. So the timing argument so is So you let them off silly. the hook for timing. Okay. I'd, personally. Another one that people say is like, this is bigotry, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. They say things like, if this is what it means to be a Christian, I don't want to be a Christian. And that is, I think, a really small-minded reaction. Well, I mean, that's nuanced in the sense of if, like, the the place that, and I believe I said something like that. I didn't really say that, but I say I understand the philosophy that we're based just on Article Ten that we'll get to. We'll get to yeah. that if you if you're the ones that are going to define what a Christian is or not, and whether or not sure. it says that, then okay, you leave me in this position where I would like to say, then count me out, and I'll right. keep okay. on whatever. But on the other hand, I agree that in the rest of it, to have those thoughts or beliefs are biblically defensible and reasonable for one's religious expression. Yeah, does that not necessarily make you a, a harmful bigot to hold one of right. the views that these people hold? Let me be I clear. What I mean is uh, I saw a lot of posts from... Although many may be harmful bigots as well. Well, but they might be. it doesn't necessarily sure. mean that to have that religious view of a hermeneutic of the Bible. Right, exactly. I, I'm referring to, to be more clear, uh, posts by friends and various liberal Christian leaders mm. of like, you know, anti-LGBTQ... Like anything is is hate, right. or whatever, and that's right. that's a bad argument. Pardon the interruption, but I am going to tell you about a sponsor of this show, and I really appreciate everybody supporting my sponsors. And the fact that I keep having them means you're supporting them. Good on you for that. Thank you. So anyway, that's it. That's a company that I like, and uh, it's a company whose mission it is to change the way the world eats their produce. So. They took the world by storm with their fruit. So that's the first thing they did is they came out with these that's it bars for fruit. And you see them in Starbucks. I see them at the grocery store. I see them all over the place. And I have them here at the office. They're something that that my family likes. A lot of give them to my kids. They think it's good. And now they're conquering veggies. So the idea is just that it's difficult, both with fruit and vegetables, in this case vegetables, to uh, buy, purchase, keep, maintain, peel, whatever, prepare, whatever you got to do with vegetables. We think they're good and we like them. It's not even that they're bad. It's just they're sometimes difficult, to, expensive, and inconvenient to deal with. But we all know we should be eating more veggies. And that's what this company does. They make these bars that, uh, that that pack a whole bunch of vegetables in there for you to eat. And they're very, very simple. Uh, the product is good for you. It's simple. All the bars are under 100 calories. There's no preservatives. They're gluten-free. They're non-GMO. And they've got four grams of protein. They've got no fat. They're kosher and they're vegan. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just a way to get your vegetables, a, a full serving of vegetables every day. So you just get it. You just have them around. You have them in some, you eat them 
on your way out the door. You leave them at your office. You just, whatever it is, this is a good way to do it. It saves you time and money and all that kind of stuff. So I want you to uh, just check them out. You can go to their website if you want to find out more about it. And uh, you can actually buy them, like I said, sometimes in stores and stuff like that. But I would like for you to buy them and to use my promo code. And so they'll know that I sent you, of course. And I want you to go to that'sitfruit.com and enter the promo code DOWN, D-O-W-N, to save 10% off any order today. Because, I, again, I think it'd be good to have a, a box of these laying around, not go buy one when you're hungry, you need to preemptively have these things ready. They're good for kids. And uh, I, I don't know. I just think they're a good product. So www.thatsitfruit.com and enter the promo code down. Save 10% off any order today. It's 100% rational for a Christian mm-hmm. who bases their faith on the Bible to believe that homosexual sex is wrong, for instance. For in their religious yeah. tradi- in their religious practice. Uh, even right. just reading the Bible, Paul right. says it. He yeah, says but, it explicitly. Mm-hmm. So, but wrong as in wrong for a person who is a Christian that holds it not wrong to exist civilly or in the under the law. Sure. Or well, this to, is yes, you know, all that stuff. And this is where I think they kind of brought a little bit of this on themselves by switching over to identity. Uh, Paul does not talk about sexual identity because there was no sexual identity mm-hmm. in Paul's day. As far as Paul understood, everybody was heterosexual. Yeah. In, in in some way, this is kind of these people sort of wishing they could go back to a time where everybody is heterosexual. Mm-hmm. And the Article 7, which I read, and which we're talking about Wesley Hill and other gay celibate Christians, this group is sort of like willing that all of that science could be erased and that we mm-hmm. could go back to Paul's day when everyone was heterosexual. And if you acted homosexually, it was against your nature. Mm-hmm. Basically, what they might argue, if we were, and we could ask them, is that that maybe they would say, Paul's right. Uh, No matter what modern psychology has uncovered, no matter what research you do, it is true that everyone is heterosexual and it It, is always unnatural to act homosexually. That is what they think, for sure. But I think there's... Personally, There's no I such, think, they would say yeah. there's no such. So in fact, I think John Piper has often referred to it in his writing as so-called homosexuality. That would the, exactly. So he doesn't even acknowledge it as right. an th- actual thing. Even if you weren't, I mean, if you're just some guy who lives in Hollywood and are gay and never cared about Christianity, right. he would say you're just a confused person that doesn't understand. Right. Still, but you're not a gay person because no, such yeah. thing doesn't exist. You're yeah. just a normal. God designed straight person who is choosing for whatever reason to do these other things. Yeah, or sin has distorted right. your desires right. or something, something like, like that. that. And so, right. So I just I want to be clear that like you can be a Christian and of course you can be a Christian and not be gay affirming. Mm-hmm. Of course. Mm-hmm. And some of my friends and some leaders are feeling like maybe now's a good time to pounce and argue that you can't be, and that's insane. Mm-hmm. The Bible is on it on the face of it pretty clear about homosexuality. Now, the reason that I am that I do lean more gay affirming is because of how I think I should read the Bible, mm-hmm. but it would be silly for me at any point in my life no matter how convinced I become that God does bless for instance homosexual marriages mm-hmm. or whatever, no matter how convinced I if I ever became convinced, which I'm not, that like all sex is a spectrum yeah. and like there's no boundaries, I don't believe that. Even if I did believe that, even if I was a polyamorous Christian, mm-hmm. it's still in black and white in the text. Mm-hmm. You cannot 
judge Christians for not being okay with gay marriage or transgender people. You just can't. Well, well yeah, but you you can't. Okay, so I understand the sides here, but it's still important to note that you you, you mean within its religion, though. Like, I, yeah, you, you mean, can fault. You can disagree anybody. with them, well, sure. Yeah, but you you can fault people. Okay, let's just let's go to uh, Muslim as an analogy. Okay, so of course it's reasonable for Muslim people to believe that homosexual is bad. And it's wrong, and it's even reasonable, given their text, to think that they should that that it's shouldn't be allowed in their society. Okay, sure, but we don't think yeah. that's okay. Yeah, so I guess what I mean when, what when I you could, say yeah. I and so my book says these people shouldn't be allowed in my society, and my book says they should be thrown off roofs. We okay. we have to draw a line there. Yes, but right, we have that's to distinguish true. enough to say the person that says throw them off the roof. And they shouldn't be allowed to vote, and I wish they'd be exterminated, which some Christians yes, have course, that same type of, of rhetoric and beliefs. Yep. That is not okay, and it cannot right. be okay. But for somebody to say, for the people at my church to be Christians and our religious tradition, we believe that it's against the law of our God and sin as we define it within our religion. Yeah, totally uh, let, me, let me say, I'll be a little more clear. It is always reasonable for a Christian to say, the source of my religious information is the Bible. Mm -hmm. And the Bible to me seems very clear that homosexual desires are a result of sin and are never to be followed up on. That will always be a reasonable person mm -hmm. because yes. that person can say, look, I, I might, I might like some of the arguments against that, but ultimately I need to trust the Bible and this is how I read the Bible. Right. And that, that, that right there, is always it should be a protected type of view. Yes, it is okay mm -hmm. for Christians to believe that, even though I don't believe that. Right. It's okay for them to believe that, and I think that's getting lost a bit. I agree. I also, in the same vein, I really don't like the tendency that people on the right and the left have to like call their own leaders into account and try and force them to make a public statement mm -hmm. on where they stand. Like where, yeah, that's kind of where dangerous. do you stand on this? Like, don't do that. It's okay to not have an opinion. That's the, that's the next thing yeah. I'd like to say. It's okay if you don't know what you think about homosexuality. That's fine. What if you what if you say you don't even care? How about that? Well, I think it's probably if you I guess if you say you don't care because you have other things you care about that are more important. Mm -hmm. I think that could be defensible. I, I like to say, first of all, I, th I think that I and land, You're smiling, by the way, because that's what you want to say. Is I'd like care. to say that, yeah. But, I mean, that that's just to prove a point or be a little over-obnoxious, but it's to prove the point of, uh, I don't think it's a major issue. Yeah. I don't think it is. Now, it can, it, it can be forced into being a major issue, but I don't think it is. And I, I think... And I guess I've been saying lately that I'm just affirming, okay? I mean, if people are going to define terms, I mean, and even the word affirming is going to move on what it means and all this stuff. So, I mean, it's just Yeah, it's affirming kind of, of what? Yeah, people, I mean, even if you say you're affirming, some people go, yeah, but still, you don't mean this, or you still deep down think that, or whatever. But as far as I'm concerned, my position is it's not an important issue to the, to the degree where I don't care so far that I'm going to go ahead and be affirming to the point where I would have no problem if my pastor was gay and the leadership of my church was gay mm -hmm. and people and I would participate in and totally good with the gay Christian marriage. I'll I, I don't officiate weddings, but I would officiate one. Yeah. So and that's that's a way of me saying I don't think this is a big deal and I certainly don't know how to parse through it, but doesn't seem like the biggest deal to me and maybe it's fine. Yeah, I think that's Fine. also I'm a reasonable. That's a reasonable position as well. Mm -hmm. I think the the unreasonable position here 
<clears throat> I'll give an unreasonable position on the left and the right. An unreasonable position on the left is any Christian who's not gay affirming is actually a bigot. Mm. I think that's silly. It's scary. And scary. Uh, and then, and, and What's actually... What's point of view, though? Can we try to get a good flesh on that? Because I was, I was into some Twitter stuff with people that hold that view almost militantly, but it's, it's like... They're saying stuff like, I'm trying to understand the point of view. It's, hey, I was gay. I am gay. I'm sorry. I was forced into gay conversion therapy. Sure. Me and all my friends, half of them have committed suicide. This has been a plague and a mm. disservice, and it's all been perpetrated by this group systematically on us. And it is bigotry, even even if you call it soft bigotry or whatever. This whole thing that y'all are doing, your religion bullshit over there, is killing me and my people. That's why I oppose it. That's why you have to stop doing this. That's why, yes, it is bigotry to sign the Nashville Statement. I mean, it depends. Like, I feel for people coming from that community. Mm -hmm. uh, I cannot imagine how that would be. Um, how it would be to have had multiple friends commit suicide, for instance, mm -hmm. or, or whatever, you know, in large part due to spiritual abuse over this issue. Um, the question though we could ask is, did their friends commit suicide because a bunch of people held a theological view consistent with scripture they thought, or was it because people did quite a bit more than that? Well, if the argument would be reasonably, it's the systemic thing, just like racism and cops. Mm. I mean, the system is the way it is. The Bible's part, a big, the linchpin of the system, and the system's output is our people are oppressed, harmed, and and sure, and I mean that's it's not, and we need to, it's all bad. That's interesting, but the Bible is also the linchpin for like Western judicial systems. I mean, you you kind of can't, you don't just get to okay, but they would say yeah, you can be it. a good, the good kind of Christian, but not the bigoted kind that signs these statements, and because that contributes okay. directly to our harm. Well, yeah, I mean. The thing is, people disagree about all kinds of issues that have enormous consequences in the world. Mm -hmm. People disagree about welfare. Some people think you shouldn't give people anything unless they work for it. Mm -hmm. And if that were to be put in place, how many hundreds of thousands of people would die? Right. I mean, I you know, it, you just... But it's still like, a reasonable point of view to have. You still have to be able to yeah. argue and, right. and have discussion. Right. And I just think... I mean, you could have militant anti-car people, and they would say anybody that supports automobile usage is for the death of, of, of Americans, and we, yeah. won't, we won't stand for it, and we'll violently oppose it. Right, yeah, because the cars car cause yeah. more deaths than heart attacks. I mean, that's, a, that's yeah. a view. Right. But the counter view has to be, to be reasonable, or at least a discussion there. So, yeah. you know... Yeah, so I think that that's the view on the left that I don't like. And then the view on the right that I think is is uh, unsafe and, and which is mostly in this Nashville statement is if you disagree, if, if you hold another view than our view or Paul's view or whatever. I mean, I, it, it's worth saying the Nashville statement goes well beyond what Paul actually teaches mm -hmm. in, in the New Testament. But... If you disagree with that or him or us or whatever, then you are outside of Christianity. I think, yes. and that's basically that's the Article thing that 10. that's Article Ten yeah. that people are are reacting so strongly against. For I think, and, and that's good almost that's almost what I think is the only reason it's a big deal is Article Ten. Like, I, I shouldn't they just left that out? Because I mean, it's not like I don't know, like. If Westboro Baptist Church does a proclamation and I find out forty thousand people signed it, I'm not nothing, no news there. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. So you know this this one feels like wait a minute, but you're 
we're like you're our other Christians over here, and yeah. now you're 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 actually trying to draw a line in the sand, and that's, that's yeah. some of their own words or Denny Burke's yeah. words, and he's yeah. trying to draw a line in the sand between me and him, or worse yet, people even closer to him and him. Let's like, talk about wow, that. Let's talk about the line really in the weird. sand. Yeah. So, so the background here, if you're not familiar, is that this thing came out, and all these people signed it, and then there was uh, immediate sort of backlash on Article Ten. And here I'll read that real quick. We affirm that it is sinful to approve of homosexual immorality or transgenderism and that such approval constitutes an essential departure from Christian faithfulness and witness. We deny that the approval of homosexual immorality or transgenderism is a matter of moral indifference about which otherwise faithful Christians Mm -hmm. should agree to disagree. So there's a lot of problems in this article. Uh, Let me go backwards. Things about which Christians should agree to disagree do not have to be morally indifferent. Uh, For instance, some Christians don't believe that abortion should be illegal for legal reasons, Mm -hmm. but abortion is surely not an issue of moral indifference. I feel like there's an equivocation. A really, really, really bad sin that should be legally... That's, yeah, that someone who just legal. says, that's a, that's I don't think the government has the right to restrict mm-hmm. this, but I think there should be as few abortions as possible, would have a difference of opinion. Yeah. But that's obviously not an issue of moral indifference. It's right. it's hugely moral. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the person making in that in that situation the pro-choice argument is making a moral argument mm-hmm. about what a government has the right to do. So there's, there's a little bit of, uh, there's some equivocation here that like, Something that we could agree to disagree about is morally indifferent. And that's just not true. There are big questions that we can agree to disagree about. Yeah, because you can be right and wrong or change your view and know that it's always important and of consequence and just say, but I don't know if I'm getting it right, but I know it's very important and I'm trying to get it right. Right. That doesn't mean indifferent. Right. Or of no consequence. And so people responded to people responded to this article and they were like hey is this really what you guys mean and then denny burke who uh, was one of the main authors of it wrote a blog post on the nashville statements website and he says yes we are drawing a line in the sand yeah. and because some people words, say no they didn't say you're not christian if you're not but, but yeah i've got some here, words of his do you want to read too. it yeah he says that, uh, I mean, basically, he, there's this part of it where he says that the defining nature of the marriage and covenant and of sexual holiness and virtue, to get these questions wrong is to walk away from Jesus, not to him, not to him. Yeah. And there is no more central concern than that. So he is he's even saying, I mean, there's one little liaison there to say, to get these questions wrong is to walk away from Jesus, and there's no more central concern than that being maybe to walk away from to Jesus. Walk away from Jesus. Yeah, part, but yeah, either way, yeah. that is what that is. And then he right. says, readers who perceive Article 10 as a line in the sand have rightly perceived what this declaration is about. All right, one more little interruption here. I'm going to tell you about another sponsor, product, something I care about. And this one relates to something I really care about, and that's my dog. I've got a dog named Reggie, and he is a boy. I've spent a lot of time and effort and money. I've got a lot invested in this dog, and I love him for it. He's been a companion of mine for 13 years now. And uh, I tell you who else loves him is my wife. And we're both excited to get a BarkBox. BarkBox is committed to making dogs happy, and they work with local and independent businesses to achieve it. In fact, 
They only work with vendors who also care deeply about the health and happiness of dogs. They're concerned with all dogs, even those who don't, you know, use their products. And they support shelters and rescues and nonprofits all across the U.S. to help other dogs find homes. Um, They've also shipped over 50 million toys and treats so far. And that's what this company is about. They they send uh, unique and fun what they call products from local vendors, and they, those come in the bark box itself. We got one at our house, and the thing was so cool. We've only got the first one so far. I'm very excited to get the next one because we burned through a bunch of those treats because Reggie liked them so much. But there's both toys and treats in there. Uh, I really probably could eat some of those treats. I really, really wanted to. They look, they look good. They're they're made from real animal products. They're really good stuff. They're made in the USA or Canada. It's a great way to find a variety of treats uh, and toys from small and local businesses that you otherwise wouldn't be able to find. So each monthly box is themed in a different way, like Country Fair, Bark Ball, Poo York City, Brooklyn Hipster. I mean, it's, it's fun stuff. And really, this this company's just about making your dog happy. That is their goal, so much so that they'll put their own, you know, put themselves on the line there. If your dog doesn't like something in the box, they'll send you something they do love for free because they're all about the dog's happiness. And that's kind of the point of having a dog is you doing work and spending money to make them happy. You have to be honest. That's why you have a dog. That's that's how it works. So free shipping on any bark box in the continental U.S. So our dog, Reggie, loves it. Shipped right to your door. A unique variety of toys and treats that you wouldn't find anywhere else. Now, for a free extra month of BarkBox, you can visit BarkBox.com slash down when you subscribe to a 6- or 12-month plan. That's a great deal. So you get a free month. Go to BarkBox.com slash down and order a box for your doggy today. Now, he has another sentence in there that maybe you can find where he talks, he links it to sexual immorality, that you cannot follow Jesus and ignore the New Testament's teaching on sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. And you know you don't have to read it, but that's basically his argument. Anyone who is yep. persistently, anyone yep. who persistently rejects God's revelation about sexual holiness and virtue is rejecting Christianity altogether. Great. Even if yep. they claim otherwise. So right. that, that couldn't describe me better. Right. Okay. Like so. he's very clear on that I'm claiming to be a Christian and I disagree with the Nashville statement and it can only come to what I acknowledge, seem to believe is affirming. And therefore, I, in his view, I'm persistently and continually now in rejection of God, walking away from Jesus. And, and I have to say it who and claim, and I am claiming otherwise. And so, and so, yeah, that's it. Right. And so it seems to me that the argument there is, so he's making actually a circular argument. He's saying, you cannot be a Christian and say that it is unimportant what God thinks about sexual morality. Mm-hmm. But everybody basically agrees with that. Yeah. I mean, there are very few True. Christians who would take issue with that statement. Yeah, He's assuming that it is clear that homosexuality yeah. and transgender identity fall under that, right. but transgenderism is of course is not weird in the Bible. That they're both because they're. Un, I mean, there's a real sense in which transgenderism and homosexuality are just completely unrelated. Yes, there so is. So it's impossible to be able to get one of those right and one wrong. And so this is what's so interesting about this, right? Speaking. So, well, I want to go to that distinction, but um, so I, it's like I, I actually agree with his argument. I don't think you can just be a Christian and go. Well, whatever you want to do with your dick. Right. 
whatever you want to do with whatever you've got. Mm-hmm. No, of course you can't do that. That's mm-hmm. not Christianity. But he's it's a circular. He's assuming th- what yeah. he wants to argue for. The part about to if I can say it right. To, yeah, the part where to to get it wrong it is to to walk away from Jesus. He's saying if you don't agree with me. I'm saying you are walking away from Jesus. Well, yeah, he's he's saying that the biblical witness to these questions is sort of obvious. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that you could maybe argue that the biblical witness to homosexual sex acts is obvious. Uh, and I, I, my argument for, you know, gay inclusion does not rest on trying to reduce Paul to saying something less than that. Mm-hmm. I think Paul was against homosexual sex. My argument is that Paul could not have understood sexual orientation and therefore mm-hmm. we can take the bulk of what he's saying with that in mind mm-hmm. and we can actually still basically agree with him. Um, this statement moves away from actions toward identity and mm-hmm. this is where what we're talking about. There's a huge difference between homosexual sex and transgender identity. <laughs> I'd say. Right? <laughs> now, there might be less of a huge difference between homosexual identity and transgender identity. Mm-hmm. But what is so interesting about this statement, and, and this is courtesy of a friend of mine, said, you know, what's interesting is when you're talking about homosexuality, you can just talk about actions, uh-huh. right? Because at some point, you're putting a, a P and a B or you're whatever you're doing. At some point you are acting on your desires, mm-hmm. but you can't do that with transgenderism. Mm-hmm. There, there are no transgender acts in the same way. Like a transgender act might be cross-dressing yeah. or taking yeah. right. hormone pills right. or having a surgery or using a for surgery name. or using a different name. <laughs> that's, an, a going trans, on, that's a transgender act. Going right? online yeah. on a, on a chat forum and putting the opposite gender in a in a uh, anonymous environment, right? right? That's not like having sex with another man, right? So you can't just, go to actions; yeah. you have to go to identity. Yeah. And what a lot of thoughtful conservative Christian commentators have noted here is that this is a problem, or that you you might want to do that, but they didn't do a good job of it, and they weren't mm-hmm. clear at all. Here, I'm going to give you a quote from Carl Truman who he is a conservative Christian who had problem with the statement. And here's what he says. What we need to do is we actually need to critique the modern notion of sexual or racial identity as describing who we are at our core. So the Nashville statement wants to say, you can't have a homosexual or a transgender identity. Mm-hmm. Those are not available to you as God. Right. But then what they're implying is that you ought to have a heterosexual identity. They're not actually getting at the core of, wait, why are we talking about identity? You're not, your true self is not the people you're sexually attracted to. It's not the color of your skin. It's just some attribute. You you have many attributes. Even identity there maybe is a little bit weird on both sides as far as the amount they want to put it on and make a deal out of it as opposed to an attribute like a beard or something. Sorry. Right, right, like just that's just you. That's something about me. I have blue eyes. I like right. cilantro. You don't, you know. Well, and this is what's so promising. Like dudes, I think whatever. This is what's so promising. I think theologically and philosophically about Wesley Hill and spiritual friendship and these celibate gay mm-hmm. Christians is that, man. Even if I don't agree with the way they read the Bible or something, here's their argument. Their argument is, I'm 
homosexual, but I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. And just because being a homosexual Christian means I don't have a sex a sex life and I don't have a I don't have a sexual life that includes intercourse, mm-hmm. that does not define who I am. Uh, what defines who I am is what God thinks of me and what Christ can do in my life. Now, this fact that I'm going to be celibate will mean that my life will look different. And now I have all these things to offer the world. But the things that I have to offer the world now as mm-hmm. a celibate gay Christian are things related to how God sees me and what is ultimately true in the universe. They are not, that's not my real true identity. Right. And the Nashville statement takes movements like that and cuts them off at the knees. Whereas they're actually, Wes, Wesley Hill is trying to speak into the problem of the modern secular sense of identity. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to undercut it by saying, no, our identity as children of God is far more primary than any of these things, race, orientation, disabled or not disabled. Like all of what comes before all of it is loved child of God. Mm-hmm. And so let's take the focus off of that kind of identity. The Nashville statement says, oh, the secular world has decided that everything is about racial and sexual identity. We agree. Yeah. It's all heterosexual. Mm -hmm. And that's a weird move. Yeah. You know what, though? I have a a view that I haven't found a home for or anybody else that holds. And it's just, I mean, it's it's not a tightly held view, but it occurs to me that even from a completely open-minded view, it seems more reasonable to me to still not really say that gay is is a firm identity like i I would say i'm open-minded to the point where i just think it's fluid and it's fine like i don't need to have it proven that there's a biological genetical genetical genetic uh thing where you just are born gay i don't think it's even necessary to say somebody's born well you gay. don't have to but you because can't can't i mean but you have to deal just, with the data that like a spectrum and can't you do what well, you want sure. can't, can i be attracted to one thing for a while and another later like i mean i'm i'm feel like i'm in the camp of advocating for lgbtq when i say that although it sounds like i'm not but i feel like that community has so hardly pushed to have a validated identity so they can defend themselves which i understand yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they're, they're right. like, if we could just find the gene, then people would leave us alone, and stop oppressing us and killing us for uh, something that's not sure. that we were born this way. Yeah, and I'm just saying, if you like dudes, that's fine. Maybe you like them a little bit or a lot, and it's a spectrum. Maybe you'll like them less later. Maybe you'll be more into, you know, foot fetish shit later. I mean, whatever. It's just flu- it's fluid. Like you, sure, I don't even know if it needs to be an identity I mean, at all. If you were truly getting it right, you don't. Right. Uh, I don't know. Do you know what I, I mean? I, never, I can't find anybody to really hold that view with me, but it seems like the most open-minded one. Um, it might be the most open-minded one. Um, I mean, I think like the genetic question is there's no gene that decides that you'll be gay, but like twin studies have shown mm-hmm. if your twin is gay and you share DNA with them, you're you're way more likely to be gay, mm-hmm. like five, ten times more likely to be gay. That's something. Mm-hmm. That's not total determined... Yeah, but in the spectrum, a better than binary, even on sure. your orient. Like, I feel like yeah. even the, even the LGBT community is f- almost over pushing the binary. Yeah, I think that might be I'm true, talking. and and this is what I think is. And now we're in this jam where we're talking about identity. Great, and so here are two ways out of that weird jam. One way is Wesley Hill's way, which mm-hmm. is to say, uh, you know, sure, maybe it's a spectrum, but I know that I'm gay because I've never been attracted mm-hmm. to women. And that's fine. The word homosexual reflects 
accurately mm-hmm. the state of my experience, yep. and it's not going to. Def- and I'm going to not have sex as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you could you could also take a spectrum view there and say to the extent that I want to have sex with people of my own sex at whatever spectrum level. I will not do it because it's outside of God's plan for my life. That would be mm-hmm. that's their yeah. that's their perspective, and then a little bit more gray grayed out those binaries a bit. Or you can say, you can make the argument that I more want to make, which is okay. Let's say that sex is a spectrum, or sexual orientation is a spectrum. Um, marital monogamy is the standard. Uh, that is the thing that values the other person mm-hmm. as a end in themselves rather than a means to an end to your own pleasure or your own fulfillment when you have sex with someone that you are committed to for your life that is when you should be having sex and probably the plumbing is not the thing mm-hmm. so that's that's the view that i hold at this point in my life mm-hmm. and i think a lot of people hold that view okay so let me restate but that's it. kind of a that's kind of a centrist view in a in, centrist view interesting. because okay, i'm I mean, not I'm going sure i understand yeah. that. the view being that it was assumed in the bi- biblical writings the heterosexual was the only thing that there. I mean, it wasn't even. It was not even a question. What we yeah. were talking about was monogamy and God's design for marriage. But we weren't. It wasn't. It just happened to be. You know, be part and parcel and, and a tag along that that was generally or ninety nine point nine percent male female. Yeah, structural and societally, and then the gay actions that are referred to are pretty much always like soldiers off at war, or or people doing things outside of their marriage, or with children, or the, uh, no, no, I'm not making, I'm things. not saying that. Okay. No, so that's a common argument, which is to say, well, when Paul talks about homosexuality, he's not talking about consensual sex; he's talking about rape and man boy right. love and stuff. But he I'm not making that argument. Talking about monogamous, long term committed male. Males who were married and recognized by the government. He well, certainly, certainly wasn't talking about that. Because that didn't exist. Because it, it wasn't even a was possible no, yes. thing to conceive right. of. Right. He's right. not talking about that. And Paul likely would not have understood sexual orientation the way that we understand it today, which mm-hmm. is, you know, you, you can say it doesn't exist, but you're going to have to argue with every psychologist who knows the DSM 5 in yeah. America. It does exist. Yeah. Orientation is a real thing, mm-hmm. it is empirically. Verifiable. And so, in that say, in that sense, you're kind of centrist. Like John Piper may say, so-called homosexuality, yeah, but I that's not anywhere no. close to a center view. A center view, and in fact, you know why I know this? Because everybody, all the Christians and conservative people who like to deny, who would like to, even if they, if you got got them on a test question, they would say something like. John Piper is right, yeah, but they don't behave that way whatsoever because they're mm. always worried about. Like if they see somebody on TV, they go, "I knew he was gay." Like hmm. you're igno- you know what I mean? Like that, that even the suspicion of gay people tips the fact that you believe it's a thing, right? Yeah, well, I guess you could right. I mean, you could still think it's like a cultural thing and No, I'm just saying thing, take, but... take somebody on t- these same people. Yeah, okay. These people, which is almost everybody, will watch somebody on TV and suspect that he's gay even though he says he's not and they go, "I thought he was gay. I think he is gay." Which acknowledges the fact that he's a thing that he's he's not even acknowledging these gays. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And so here right. you are saying that he is something that doesn't exist, which proves right. the fact that you think it actually sure. exists. Most people do most people do believe Those that. Those same homosexual, people worry if their kids are gay, right? Yeah, it's a real most people think it's a real thing. Yeah. And they're scared of they don't like it, but they think it's real. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and that's one of the interesting things about the Nashville statement is they seem to be denying that right. empirical fact. 
or claim or whatever. So, but the reason that I say that my view is a bit more centrist is, you know, I'm a little bit worried about at this point in my life, I'm worried about so just the entire for a, I'm just the entire acronym. Are, are you centrist as a Christian or centrist as the, as the whole culture? Uh, whole large? culture, I think, is what I mean. So, for instance, LGBTQA mm-hmm. plus whatever it is, whatever's left over. Uh, I I understand why all of those acronyms are grouped together for political reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's an obvious way to make a political coalition. Mm-hmm. But I'm not convinced that a Christian should think of them all the same way. Yeah, well, that's so, that that aligns with what I was saying before. It's like these things are all different. Plus, your sexualities can be, as far as I'm concerned, are fluid. So the more stuff you lump together and band together, LGBTQ, you're forcing. First of all, you're just you're you're causing this type of thing where they're yeah. trying to lump transgenderism with with orientation right. Right. because now they see LGBT whatever you put on the list as their opponents. Right. So, yeah. So so the Nashville statement is wanting, wants to say conceiving of yourself as a homosexual and conceiving of yourself as being the wrong gender for your genitalia mm-hmm. are equal in the sight of God and also they're probably just kind of the same thing. Okay, how about this? And that seems wrong. Those seems to yeah. be really different things. They are really different things. Right. Let's make it even more stark. Let's say for political coalition, community reasons, whatever, it, they need they add another one to this thing because we agree that, that some of these things are different. They're not all orientation right. related. So they expand it further and now they say LGBTQA+. C and C re- represents Clemson Tiger fans. <laughs> so now this is the coalition. There's the gay, right. there's the queer, okay, there's the Clemson fans, silly. there's the transgender. Let's not go as silly as Clemson. Let's do P, polyamorous, because that one's maybe coming. Yeah. But so go a little it, farther than that. But and no, then but you would poly- find that now the evangelicals are now against Clemson fans too, because they would have, they just would see, they'd put that in on. Now we've okay. signed up for the I category don't know. I mean, if to, it was, of things to oppose. You if know? it was so silly, but polyamory that is silly. It's just is absurd, but. less silly. Mm-hmm. People are a lot of people want to say polyamory should be under the queue open or, or whatever and open like marriages that, yeah. and stuff, and that's so different. To for me to go to my wife and say, "Hey, Jeff, you know." It's been pretty good for eight years here. Spice it up. Uh, but let's, let's spice it up. Yeah, and for the next few, let's just like let in other people. Is n- 0% like being a transgender person. Right. There is there's n- not, they're there's so not, different. Yeah. I might just be a horny asshole. Yeah. And that's it. And it hasn't, and I don't have some theory about why open marriages are good. I'm not saying that no people have theories. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I could certainly go, oh, I'm. Oh, there's a term for this now. I for I can just say that I'm add the p want to commit LG, adultery. Yeah. Well, oh, but I just that's almost like p. handing it to the 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 conservatives by just put, lumping in another thing that they already this don't is like, what, this and is that's what, what they saying. like for you to do. Yes. like you're playing into their hand. Yes, and that. this is why I'm saying that I think my view is a bit more centrist because I don't think it's helpful. And at least, especially for a Christian, I think we have a really good reason to be sort of suspicious of lumping this acronym together you know like transgenderism is i i feel like i just don't know anything i mean i i've read a handful of articles but i have not studied much of the medical stuff i have listened Mm -hmm. to a few people tell their stories uh i i know the stats on bullying Mm -hmm. and suicide and i am completely convinced that people in the transgender community have really really difficult lives insofar as they're transgender um 
it's just, I just, I'm, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Like I'm trying to just be intellectually honest about the fact that there's a lot of data I do not have mm -hmm. to make a, a strong pronouncement. Yeah. And you're being dishonest if you don't acknowledge that that's, there's something to wrestle with or think about there. And I right. know the real people, not some thing to wrestle with in your theology. That's sure. what sounds so rude about it. Now you're talking about you don't know what to do with those people. You know what I mean? Like, And that's not what you're trying to say. No, but, I'm not trying to say that at but all. But if, course, we, yeah. if we're forced to think about it, if we're forced to make decisions on it, and we have to think about it, then we have to at least be able to think about it. So, for instance, there's a lot of people with dissociative disorders and are just your general person. You say, oh, that's a crazy person or an attention-seeking person. Those exist, yeah. and some of those are what would somehow be classified as transgender, but we don't really feel like those are identity doesn't, that's not the same thing, right? Somebody that yeah. goes crazy or puts on multiple personalities or a, a person who's really, really disturbed and, and crazy and some other, you know, has some other mental disorder, but they, let's say, let's say they had borderline personality disorder and, and they're trying to get back at somebody. And so now they are going to be, become transgender as, you know, do you know that's what I mean? Not what poor, but that's not what borderline personality Well, I'm just saying, you, whatever, personality disorder would make you do something really obnoxious. Yeah, I mean, I okay, I don't you know not what really I mean? sure. Like, you, like, the, like, there's. It, I'm definitely not saying. What I'm saying is, I don't really know very much about it, mm -hmm. and I might vote. I might, for instance, say, you know what? As a Christian, um, I'm going to give the transgender community the benefit of the doubt, and for the time being, I'm going to vote that they can use whatever bathroom they want to use mm -hmm. while they while we learn more about this and while these while they figure out what's going on. And and I might I might have some policy view based on the fact that I have empathy so just, for them. That's but, just a view that is not good to hold. I'm not saying it's not, I, I don't respect it. I'm saying it's a difficult view to hold because you get to say, they would say that you get to say, well, let's just do this while we figure it out. And they're like, no, we're people right now. You, can't, well, I you don't, don't get yeah, that luxury of figuring me out in a decade. I'm here right now. Fuck you. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I mean like I, that's that, I, get I think that. that's how the, the left side of that would feel. And that's you're putting sure. me in some category of science experiment. You can figure me out in ten years, and then let me know if it's okay if I still use this bathroom. Well, I understand that view, but if you had asked if homosexuality advocates had been speaking seventy five years ago, mm -hmm. we have so much more information than we had then. So it's I understand. The, what do we want? Equality. When do we want it? Now. Sure. And, and you're and, saying, but we'll you work might on have it. civil equality mm -hmm. without me saying to you, I think you should go ahead and change genders. Mm -hmm. Like I don't. Those are different. Mm -hmm. Those are different claims. So. But with homosexuals who have been homosexual since they were old enough to know they had sexual feelings, mm -hmm. romantic feelings, I feel so much, I have so much better information on that. Mm -hmm. I can consider that. I can look at the arguments that Paul makes in scripture. I can go, you know, if he had known about that, would he really have called this going against one's nature or would he not have called mm -hmm. it that. And I can say, I'm not, you know, maybe not. And if you're going to, if you're telling me you want to get married because you would like to have lifetime monogamous relationship with someone of your own sex, that, I, that is just such a different question than transgenderism or even bisexuality. Yeah. And so I don't want to, I don't, I don't like being forced to take the whole acronym. And as a Christian, I have I have theological misgivings about taking the whole acronym, uh, especially if we're going to start adding polyamory in there, because now we're now we're talking about well, what what the claim of polyamory is like? 
what sexuality is just like completely subjective mm-hmm. and it, it it just means sort of whatever you think it means and if two people will consent to literally anything it's fine well that's not a i don't yeah. think that's a christian view yeah i mean if you believe that god has sort of any intention at all for god's creation then it can't just be whatever a person happens to want so i i just my point is just that i think in terms of general culture i have this kind of middle view which is like look Let's talk about civil rights. Like I was for gay marriage before I thought it was not sinful to mm-hmm. be gay mm-hmm. because too, yeah, I just thought, too. well, it, it's like a government thing. Right. Like just let them be married. So a civil question is different than a moral question and homos- lesbian and gay people or and, and homosexual males are different than bisexuality, different than transgenderism, different than polyamory, different than intersex, mm-hmm. different than asexual. I, I made a joke to my buddy the other day. I was like, I want to just say I'm LGA uh, affirming lesbian, gay, and asexual because uh-huh. Christians can't have any problem with someone who's asexual. Yeah. There's no sin. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Although the Nashville statement might even say, oh, you think you're asexual? Yeah, you're might. outside of God's it plan. Might. And that's it, a, that's yeah. kind of a worry. Yeah. What, what do you say to someone who who identifies as asexual they think i don't i don't think if i should have any sex part, if you're on the if you're attached to the acronym that's not good <laughs> is right. what people would say at least you're an ally with those gays they'd say i don't know yeah that's not so, my team you know we're yeah, can we know. talk about and let's just can we talk a little bit about this um exclusivity this article 10 some mm-hmm. more i want to i've i've prepared <laughs> i've prepared something i'd like to read that i think is one of the only things that can define all of the Christian experience. Hit it. And then you tell me what it is after I read it. Here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Mm -hmm. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, Mm -hmm. our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Mm-hmm. That's Apostles, the Apostles' Creed. Creed right? Great. That is a legitimate statement of what is within uh, Christian faithfulness and witness, what essential Christianity is, the Apostles' Creed. Mm-hmm. If it's not in there, I'm basically going to disagree with you that it is essential to being a Christian. Mm-hmm. Why do we get to put new stuff in and say it's essential? Like, yeah, well, see, that's where it really runs aground to me too, because it, it like it, it is not valid to stand on. Like, so it's a good point to the left and to the non-conservative people to say, yeah, but we've believed this for thousands of years. Great point. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, looking at it critically, you go, okay, but that's not a good enough point to stand on to say we need to double down on it and we can't be wrong about things that we right. believe. For, that doesn't if that the, doesn't give any validity. It's no surprise to those people, sure. It shouldn't be a surprise. But on why didn't hand, the writers of the Apostles' Creed put it in there? Yeah, well, It's not like they weren't aware of it. Well, we've held views for thousands of years that uh, about slavery that we didn't think were right. Right. That we we know weren't right. So, I mean, it's, it, we, you know, like the fact that we held views previously doesn't make them right. It doesn't make them a surprise. It's not a surprise that you continue to believe stuff that we do. But that doesn't yeah. mean, therefore, it was right because it's been over 1,000 years where most Christians have held X. Does not yeah. 
does not mean as we have it right. Not that alone. Not right. that alone. So yeah. you can't just say that. And so, you know, and so it brings up the slavery one is totally a valid parallel to work through. Everything about it isn't straight across, yeah. but it's a totally valid one to work through. Like, oh, we were reading these scriptures this way, whatever. And then the most pertinent one, which I believe you mentioned or have thoughts on, is divorce. That one's yeah, going to bring up very, divorce. Very, very close to this. So yeah, let's let me rephrase our And I would, 10. I'm going to argue that it's, it's very mo- close. I'm going to argue it's more when I say that. Oh, it's it's that clearer the, in scripture. It's clear in scripture Jesus and says, I think it's more up. important yeah, Jesus I think says, that's an important yeah. issue and this is a less important issue in my view Jesus says in the past you you say Moses allowed us to have a certificate of divorce but I you know I tell you unless someone commits mm-hmm. adultery it's unlawful to divorce your wife yeah right so let's let's rephrase article 10 we affirm that it is sinful to marry to I did uh, this on the BC we, yeah, we, admit, we affirm that it's sinful to marry a divorced woman mm-hmm. to a non-divorced man and that such approval constitutes an essential departure from Christian faith. Yeah, absolutely. It's, Nobody it's, would ever, if they signed that, better they'd, all be, they'd all yeah. be, they'd all be, every one of them that acknowledges divorces yeah. re, re, that weren't exactly as Jesus described or yeah. talked about would be a non-Christian if they just, and there's more biblical evidence yeah. that Jesus, God, and the Bible are against divorce than than homosexual monogamous marriage. Is that? Do you agree with that? Yeah, well, the Bible doesn't really talk about homosexual monogamous right. marriage at all. But, but it's clearly more yeah. against divorce. Than I, think it, it I think there's more a clearer, about divorce. Yeah, I, I think there's a clearer argument. In a clear way. In fact argument. That, yeah. So yeah. a lot of people say, well, Jesus never even mentioned homosexual. He there's the not. Paul stuff, there's Old Testament stuff. Yep. Jesus never talked about divorce. He did. And yeah. it's, 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 it's the exact same thing you're not being crazy it's not even like the movement over to slavery or something you're still talking about with, with divorced with with divorce in the new testament with jesus talking it still clearly is all the things that are in this statement about god's design for man and woman yeah uh sexual ethics oh, it's in still fact, in the exact same territory and this is the and thing i was clear. thinking when when i was listening to your guys's uh episode on this <laughs> the divorce thing is an, is a better example, even more so because the context for when Jesus quotes Genesis one or Genesis two, wherever mm-hmm. it is, uh, male and female, he created them, is in the context of someone asking him about divorce. Yes, that's when he claims it, and, that's and when here he is an entire yeah. statement based on that claim of mm-hmm. Jesus in a totally different context. Yeah, and right? he totally seems to care about that. He clearly cares about and, divorce. And, yeah. beca- and it seems like as the outgoing function of it being the fact that now you're free to go do, not free to, but you will be unlawfully or sinfully out there doing further sexual stuff Yeah. post-divorce. It's not even, you know what I mean? It's the fact now, here you go, you're going to go out and take more wives is the implication or whatever it is. Instead yeah, of or get another one. wife. Yeah, right. something like that. That kind of thing. That's the implication. And so, and I think I said you this, in text, but it's, I would like to make some kind of eloquent statement that was a quote, but it'd be something along the lines of, I'm not good with any eloquence or quotes, but the thought here I think is interesting. It might be possible that Jesus would be more grieved at a homosexual divorce than he would be at their union. Hmm. Do you think that's reasonable based on that last? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's reasonable. It just it it's kind of like the Nashville statement, the guy clarifying Article Ten. It's a bit of a circular argument. It really just it all depends on if you think that homosexuality is allowable or not. But I mean, but it's possible that it's it's a possible view. I'm not saying it's the, sure. these people's view. It's a yeah. possible view that Jesus is okay oh, with homosexual possible. marriage, yeah. but he is not okay with divorce. That's right. In which case, homosexual marriage, all good. But if they get divorced, now he's upset. 
Yeah, that's that's, a, that's it's really hard because you, know, you. I mean, it, I don't think I you kind of have to make it. another argument first to to say that. So, it's certainly possible. Um, the last thing I'd like to chat with you about is, oh, what was it? These, I think it's uh, Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, that some of that hasn't gotten a lot of play, but that I think is really interesting. In Article Three, three or four, they say they they ground their view of God's plan for men and women in Adam and Eve, the first human beings. Mm-hmm. And I I noticed that immediately because I was like, uh, okay, are you saying, I hope you're, for your own sake, I hope you're not saying that this entire statement is based on there having been an Adam and Eve historically. How is it worded, that part? Do you know? I'll pull it up real quick, yeah. Okay, keep talking. I'll pull it up for you. All right, you yeah, you pull it up. So Article 3, being about Adam and Eve, you, you don't, I don't think you want to make that argument in 2017. I mean, there's a lot of evidence, if you're willing to look at it, that we do not come from two, from one genetic pair right. of humans. Mm-hmm. And so what a lot of people will do is they'll say Adam and Eve were representatives. Okay, of the so human we race. affirm yeah. that God created Adam and Eve, the first human beings, in his own image, equal before God as persons and distinct as male and female. We deny that the divinely ordained differences between male and female renders them unequal in dignity. So they're okay. equal, but they're, but yeah, I don't I mean, know. of course we love the equality of value in God's eyes. Of course, that's great. And in fact, that's more beautiful than what some more historical claims about men and women have reflected. Um, but it does seem weird. Like why, why put Adam and Eve in there? Especially when it's scientifically such a contentious view. What do you think about that? I'm starting to read it both ways here. That it just says we affirm that he created the first human beings in his own image, equal before God's as persons. So yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't go. I mean, that's you, a, you think that they uh, it's, they it's, could maybe just be saying you could say that all in a humans or and way. that includes Adam and Eve. I think there would be more than one interpretation of that. Like you know, okay. it, it, like they didn't also say and it was in six days creation or whatever. Sure, like that's true. That's that, true. But, yeah. I just thought it was interesting to put them in there. Yeah. It seems like really? another unnecessary flag to plant. Mm-hmm. You could certainly hold their view about gender identity and not believe in Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. You, it, Adam and Eve are not necessary to this view at all. Yeah, but the whole thing is just consistent, though. Like That's the problem with this statement is the whole statement is wildly consistent with what we know to be that conservative view mm-hmm. on stuff. Sure. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's a lot more stuff you could add to it, and they would keep on signing it because they all right. are very aligned, and we it's very clear what they like and don't like. And what they don't like is anything that makes it sound like, oh, shit, stuff's getting slippery. We might have had something wrong. Right. Yeah. That's what we don't like. Yeah. I don't. I, they don't actually even care. I'm not, that's not true. I can't say they don't actually care about the right and wrong of it or whatever. What they care about is holding tight and not letting something change out from under them because we think that's scary and we think that is dangerous. Yeah. So we want to just hold on to stuff. It feels like that type of thing to me. That's yeah. that's a takeaway to me. It's the people that you know they think, what if we lose this? We've lost everything, yeah. or we may lose everything. I guess the last thing I'd like to say, I mean, I don't know if anyone's still listening who... Once you forsake Adam and Eve, next thing you're for gay marriage, next thing you, <laughs> right. you don't need atonement, next yeah. thing, here you go. I get that. I mean, I get that. I don't share that. But um, I guess the last thing I'd like to say is that there are a lot of critiques to be found online of this statement from people who are conservative. 
yeah. who basically who agree on homosexuality and with with the statement, uh, but for various reasons have real problems with it, either the tone, the lack of context given, um, not not going far enough in terms of being clear about what it is about identity that is should not be kind of our main, mm-hmm. you know, focus for ourselves. Um, and so if you're if you're still listening to us and you are not gay affirming, then you're first of all, you're awesome that you could listen to two gay affirming guys are argue you, about this for an hour. I didn't think you went all the way as far as to say you were gay affirming. I'm not, I, yeah, I'm you, gay affirming. I, I, I lean very heavily that way, I should say. Um, but, you know, I want to say, like I said again, I don't, if you, if you are not gay affirming, I think that that could be perfectly rational and consistent. Uh, I'm sorry for my friends mm-hmm. who agree with me on some stuff and who have made you feel like some kind of bigot or, you know, idiot for thinking that. I don't think that's true. But if you are not gay affirming, I would encourage you to seek out some essays from people who agree with you on that but did not agree on the statement. So Matthew Anderson had a good one mm-hmm. at Mere Orthodoxy. His basic critique was like, this doesn't go anywhere near far enough in talking about why it matters that mm-hmm. we have bodies that God gave us that are good. Yeah, you know, they, they don't say anything about that. Uh, or the Carl Truman, Carl Truman, I mentioned. Carl he, Truman, what a name! Yeah, what a great dude. I mean, you Truman. gotta go. To, you're gonna try. To, yeah, I know. Come on, you gotta. It's like, well, who's gonna listen to Carl Falsman? What? Yeah. What? You know what uh, is interesting is what we haven't seen happen, which was a, probably a concern at the get go here, or maybe an intent. You tell me which. That this would cause a referendum on hmm. in the middle, which it doesn't seem to have. It's like, yeah, you don't have to believe that crowd. Who cares? I mean, it's, it's, that's what yeah. they think. We think something different. There's a lot of views, or even I, I agree mostly, but I don't want to sign the statement. You know, I thought at some point when it first came out, I was like, uh oh, everybody's going to have to declare by next Sunday, and this going to be we're all be teamed up all the way down the I line. I wonder but if we don't have they that. They right? might have achieved that if they hadn't been so exclusive. Do you in think the language, they wanted? Maybe. Was that was that was that just yes. a worry like that, or you think they hoped to achieve that? Like they would have hoped by yeah. and within the first couple of weeks that they'd have uniform support. With all evangelicals, for instance, my personal view is they that disappointed that more people haven't adopted it. Yeah, I, I thought that's probably my that's my guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. my 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 guess is that they really wanted this to be a line in the sand that forced people to reckon with the question. And and I gotta say, there's a part of me that loves that, like theologically and philosophically, it's great to have some clarity and to have something to talk about, True. Um, and that it can actually be very helpful. I wish that the line they had drawn wouldn't have been such what I think was such overreach and what a lot of other people yeah. have called overreach. So they're going to have to allow everybody to not sign the statement and still be on their side. So what they're going to have to say now is, yeah, we drew a line in the sand, but you're not on the other side. If you didn't sign the statement, that doesn't mean you're on the other side. You're just over there somewhere else. Like I guess, You know yeah. what I mean? Like It's not sign the statement. Or you've crossed the line. It's just, well, there's a lot of people that agree with us. They just haven't technically signed the statement, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I, yeah, so I don't I, I don't want to speak too much to their motivations, but it, it sure it seems to me, based on his clarifying blog post about Article 10, that like it was very much meant to be a line in the sand. And but I think that insofar as they included Article 10, they have they probably missed out on I don't know, some very large percentage of people who otherwise would have signed it. True. You know, that's a good point. And uh, because I think there's a lot of people who did sign it that folks were like, well, I mean, I get that you are conservative, but like, you really, you, you're going to sign this, including Article 10. You think mm-hmm. that 
celibate gay Christians are wrong to consider themselves gay? Like, that's pretty, that's quite a claim. Just, yeah, from their view, they're just acknowledging the fact that they're gay and they agree with you on everything the Bible says. Yeah, actually, they're says, not even... Where they acknowledge the fact that... No, they're not, not even the Bible. just I mean, wrong. They're, they're, like, actually me saying that it's reasonable for Wesley Hill to consider himself a homosexual celibate male... The fact that I think that means I'm not a Christian. That that, yeah. that is a that's that right. is a that's crazy right. claim. Yeah, that's that's I, that's not really even extrapolating to to do that. No, that is a, that's a, that's not an extrapolation. That it's I affirm an interpolation. Huh? I affirm him conceiving of himself as gay mm-hmm. and not acting on it. Therefore, by even saying you that that's legitimate, from Jesus, I am walking will, away from Jesus. And as long as you hold that view, will consistent, consistently and persistently be rejecting God's view of sexuality. And this yep. is probably the, the this is probably the silliest thing about the entire statement is this emphasis on self conception, or we might call it identity. Yep. Why is self-conception the point? Well, Why is it the, the, the main point? Well, look, I it's mean, it's, that's an infection that our society has right now, and it's uh, sure. everything's about identity, and then and then taken to some degree where it's I don't know. Destructive is almost the only way I can look at it. Anything that's, you know, when you ramp up identity, that's all indicative of super tribal stuff. I don't care what what you're talking about. Right. Race, politics, religion. Okay, I do have one more thing to say. When you're super entrenched in pure identity, man, it's trouble. Okay, actually, this is my last thing to say. So you know what it has kept reminding me of? When when you learn about the beginning of biblical literalism and inerrancy, like the the modern movement, Mm -hmm. which took place in the 19th century, what you learn is that you had these logical positivists who were mostly atheists in England, philosophers and, and whatnot. And they said, they said basically, words have exact meaning. We can build a language system. No one speaks it yet. It's not English, but we can build a language where every word lines up exactly with whatever it refers to. And from there, we can have a new human language that is perfectly precise. That's uh, nonsense. It didn't work. Christian fundamentalists said, great idea. Christian fundamentalists said, great idea. That's what the word of God is. Yeah. And then you end up with Dawkins. I mean, I'm I'm cutting a lot of things out of the way, but essentially the the road to Richard Dawkins started there Mm -hmm. with fundamentalist Christians going, yeah, wouldn't that be great? And we have it. It's the Bible. And I, you know, I'm being a little bit loose here, but it, it seems like the same move. It seems like the Nashville statement's going, man, you know, you you people have really been talking about identity for a long time, and you're right, but it's just a heterosexual identity. It's just, we have Instead the, of just yeah. say, no, it's not about identity. Like, just do that instead. You know, like, that's a, it seems like a way more fruitful approach. Just like if yeah. those fundamentalists had said, uh, you're wrong, there is no such language yeah. like that. I mean, to me, then it you just doesn't feel it. like the statement's main motivations are biblical, of in their aim, I just doesn't seem to be to me. I would go so far as to say I don't think it's biblically motivated. Mm. Yeah, I, just I guess, don't find that to be. I, it's, I'm not saying it's not biblically consistent. I just mm-hmm. don't feel that the motivation for any of this is biblical. All the things are aimed at current cultural. And maybe that's their point. I don't know, but I mean, it's not yeah. like oh, since we read the Bible, we feel like we need to make this statement. I just don't feel like it comes from that. It goes since we're threatened culturally and a bunch of other things, we need to get in that ball yeah. game. And, yeah, maybe. You know. Yeah, I don't want. I guess I don't want to assume too much about their intentions or or whatever. I I'll, I prefer to just deal with the the theology itself. But yeah, you could be right. Thanks for having me, man. Yep, thank you, Dan. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, JabberjawMedia.com.
Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.